Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast, where we bring the dark to light, where history never dies, and where listener discretion is always advised. Of course, if you're new here, listen, we joke about some creepy stuff, all right, and it can get a little weird. A little bit. Give us a chance. You know, yeah, we do make jokes and stuff. You know, we don't ever, you know, infringe on anybody's, you know, like victims or anything like that because yeah. that's that's ridiculous and we would never do that. And if you're not new here, welcome back. So glad to have you with us again. Hi. Hi. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me is my son, the one and only, Logan. I am here and I am ready to do some learning. Oh boy, yeah, this one. Oh, it's gonna be fun, man. Yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> so our Patreon bonus for this week is actually gonna go along with today's episode, Ooh. and uh, yes, we're talking about autopsies today. Yeah. In fact, how to perform an autopsy? Yeah. Or, or better, how a autopsy is performed. performed. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we will say right off the rip. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, I wouldn't be eating if I were you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just wait until after this is over. Probably so if you're having lunch or anything like that, yeah. And and if you are a Patreon member and, uh, you know, one of our beautiful first-class passengers, uh, that one's going to be a little rough, too. Yeah. Just giving you a heads up and make sure to sign up to our Patreon by going to the themidnighttrainpodcast.com or go to patreon.com forward slash themidnighttrainpodcast. That's, yeah. that's how you do that. Do it. And we will forever love you and give you as many high fives as you want or hugs. I like both. Even when we see you. Yeah. You know, I don't know if people are still weird about the whole C word thing, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. So listen, it's enough of the meandering. I think that's a good word, right? Meandering. That's right. The meandering waffle. <laughs> yes. Waffle. I like waffles. Anyway, sorry. We're just going to save the rest of the business stuff until the end. Okay. So let's just get into this really, really rough episode. So let's. Turn down the lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adjust our seats. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Grab a drink. Got it. And let's get pathological. Does that work? Clinical. Clin- again, clinical? Yeah. Clinic. Uh-huh. Let's just get into it. Right? Oh, yeah. Let's all dive. right. Let's dive into that. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful, beautiful So I uh, got to do something kind of cool yesterday while we were waiting on taking our train ride to Autopsy Land. Oh, yeah. Got to host and be the uh, tour guide for a history mystery tour Ooh. along the uh, around the little city that I that I live in here in Ohio. And uh, Logan was my uh, pack mule. Pack mule. Yes. Carried all the stuff and a lantern to make sure nobody fell over. And we only had two people fall over. So thankfully. It, was, it wasn't too bad. Yes. But what a great time. It was pretty fun. Super fun. Super fun. Because you know us here. History's a big thing. And you add mystery to the history. Ooh. And you pretty much got our show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. All right. So listen. Yeah, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Before we start this episode, uh, please note that it may be difficult to hear or even see this process take place. This is a pretty rough one, folks. 
And uh, we're going to get pretty de- in-depth with the uh, how-to guide. And there is a video or two yes. <laughs> that immediately follows towards the end here. Um, and you know, and, and kind of just after the, all the steps. And uh, we aren't going to show the video, okay? But Logan and I are going to watch it right here and give our reactions to it as it is playing. Um, or they are playing. And I will make sure that a link to the video is posted for those that are brave enough to watch the full thing. Or both things or all of it, whatever. Yeah. I know Logan has probably already watched hours of these videos to find you the best ones. So uh, please note that if it may get rather uneasy here. So, uh, you know, just just you be for, you're forewarned yeah. is what we're doing here. Yeah. All right. Hey, Logan. Hi. How are you? I'm great. You know what I love? Me? Of course. And I love beer. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah? Yeah. And I love craft beer. Yes. And there's nothing better than a good craft beer, especially when you're trying something new from different breweries and whatnot. Of course. It's awesome. And guess what? What? Our listeners can now sign up for the Craft Beer Club. No way. Yeah, buddy. And right now, you can go to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, click on Sponsor Deals, and in there, you're going to find yourself a chance to save $30 off of 12 shipments of 12 beers per shipment. Wow. Yeah. Or save $60 off of 12 shipments of 24 beers per shipment. That's a whole case. That's a lot. It's a lot of beer. That's good. A lot of good beer. Plus, guess what? What? Free shipping. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Craft Beer Club. I mean, I'm in. I'm already signing up. Right? Right. We should totally do that. And we want you to sign up as well. So get on over to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com, and get yourself some beer. Speaking of, where's my beer? So let's dive in. Oh, Oh boy. All right. So the examination of a dead corpse is referred to as an autopsy in medicine. The word autopsy itself is derived from the Greek verb autopsia, which means to see with one's own eyes. Ooh. Yeah. Another name for the operation is an abduction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not not, a, not an abduction. No. We're not abducting anybody. Right. We're abducting. Ab. Abducting. Ab. Obdiously we are. <laughs> No, okay. Or post 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 mortem examination. All right, so it's abduction, post mortem examination, or autopsy. An autopsy may be conducted for a number of reasons, some of which include the following: uh, first, when a sudden or uh, possibly even mysterious death happens. Yes. Okay, makes sense because yeah. you have to figure out why a person died. Correct. Okay. When it is necessary to identify the cause of death. To support, and, and that's typically like uh, if somebody passes away and it's like what what specific, I don't know, heart disease right. or whatever it was killed them, you know? Correct, yeah. Uh, to support an official diagnosis for academic objectives, such um, like study or instruction at a medical school. Mm-hmm. To learn more about potential genetic disorders or features that run in a family. Mm. Yikes. To offer proof in a criminal probe. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah. Or probing criminals. Pro- Ooh. What? I, wow. <laughs> to provide the deceased family uh, members closure, that seems to be a really prevalent one, especially yes. when they're like, I don't understand. And it's like, okay, well, obviously he drank a bottle of whiskey every night and, you know, and, he, and he used bacon for his bread on sandwiches. So, oh, that sounds really good. I, I really know. <laughs> uh, also, on the advice of a family member or physician, and in the event of a generalized outbreak or other medically significant public health issue. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure there were probably lots of those going on a couple of years ago. Yeah. Especially in the beginning stages yeah. of said C word thing. Yes. Yes. But we can't say here or it'll flag it. And I, I'm tired of that. <laughs> I'm so tired of it. 
Medical professionals who have completed specific training in the study of tissues and bodily fluids to establish a diagnosis are the folks that perform autopsies. They are referred to as pathologists. Oh. Yeah. While this is true for every clinical autopsy that is carried out, a county coroner may do an autopsy if the state so orders. So back in the day, Mm -hmm. um, the coroner, you know, the local coroner in like the small towns, like back in the 1800s or whatever, they could literally go and do like an autopsy and then they could file, um, uh, what do you call it, like charges Mm -hmm. and then the sheriff would go pick up people. Oh, wow. So, like, if, you know, if you got into a bar fight with somebody and it looks like you stabbed them and they did the autopsy, they could file the charges. The coroner could file the charges on you wow. and then have you picked up for it because you had, like, multiple jobs back then. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild. Wild and crazy and can't be stopped. Yeah. Yeah. In most cases, an autopsy takes two to three hours to complete unless there are a lot of problems. The procedure should ideally be carried out within 24 hours following the death. Yeah. Okay. So, it's, yeah, you want to get in there while the body's fresh. Right? Yeah. You yeah. got to. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you know, sepsis and bloating and whatever else can, you know, fester. Ugh. Just using the term fester in this just, oh, man. That Uncle just, Fester. That just made it worse. Ugh. <laughs> All right. So how are autopsies carried out? Well, first, a review from the outside. An autopsy is performed by a pathologist who begins on the outside and works their way inside. Therefore, an external examination is the initial stage in the process. The pathologist will initially assess assess the patient's outward appearance, which includes clothing and accessories. They're taking note of everything they're wearing, how they look, what the skin looks like, things like that. They make note of details like height, weight, eye color, hair color, texture, sex, and approximate uh, approximative age, as well as attributes like ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Texture. Oh, boy. This is going to be... <laughs> Yummy. If, if the body hasn't been positively identified, this information may aid to provide proof and give hints as to who the victim might be. Again, they're also looking for identifying markers and marks like uh, tattoos, right. birthmarks, Things like that because they, they put it all in an autopsy report. And um, a little side note here, and I know, segue. I know people do this all the time. They, uh-huh. Oh, you guys segue too much. Anyway, not segue, but sidebar, derail, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I don't want to give too much information away, but I'm actually researching for an episode for us about a uh, murder that took place to uh, somebody. I don't want to give too much, but a murder took place and nobody knows um, who did it. Right. Um, and nobody knows what happened to him. And even like, there's been no charges to anybody whatsoever. So I actually got a copy of the autopsy oh. report, the coroner's report. Really? Yeah. And I'll go through that. I'm actually going through it now or whatever. And there's some really like weird stuff in there where mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that once we do that episode, that uh, people will kind of get fired up about it, maybe make a stink and make them, uh, make the officials that be, um, go back and check it out. Maybe. Yeah. Definitely. You know, which I'm sure multiple people probably are. Who am I? I'm just, you know, the guy that hosts this stupid show. You know what I mean? You're an expert, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an expert at being an asshole. <laughs> All right. So sorry about that. But anyway, it just made me think that, like, they detail the report so distinctly that, like, every little piece is in there. At least they're supposed to. Right. Okay. Supposed to be. So the second stage of the uh, inspection is still an exterior one, but it entails looking at the body more closely. The body is stripped of all clothing until it's completely exposed, and then the skin is closely examined. A pathologist may search for injuries, gunpowder residue, skin or uh, paint flakes, gunshot residue, or any other evidence that can be utilized to determine the cause of death. 
And again, like I mentioned, scars, tattoos, or any other identifying markers will also be examined. So yeah, especially if you've got like, you know, if somebody dies mysteriously or whatever, and then all of a sudden they look and like, well, uh, that looks like a gunshot residue. Mm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> kind of weird, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. The, ne- uh, the second step on this are the, uh, the x-rays. All right. So uh, x-rays can be used to determine whether the body has any foreign items or anomalies in the bones and ultraviolet light can be utilized to find certain residues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is uh, during the stage of the procedure that hail or n- hail? hair or nail samples may be collected for additional analysis. The external examination has now come to a, a conclusion with this part. And, uh, you know, so you know, please take note that all observations are verbally written down. All right. So they're literally observing and, and writing everything. And they and you've probably seen it before, too. If you ever watched any um, like CSI and stuff like that yeah, and the forensic yeah. things like that, like the the uh, the pathologist will have like a little um, recorder yeah, that he report. says like this is happening. This happening, found this on the external this of that. And yes, and then this guy did the hokey pokey and turned himself around. And <laughs> there are so many freaking large names for like the smallest things. It's It's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of those when we uh, watch the video. Lovely. Yeah. So now we start heading inside for the internal assessment. The chest, abdomen, and brain chambers are all examined as part of the internal examination. To accomplish this, precise inci- incisions are made. Y or U-shaped incisions that begin at the soldier. Soldier? Shoulder. Yes, there's a soldier in the room, and they cut him up. No, shoulder. Damn it, Jonathan. Anyway, and then all those cuts meet at the sternum, so center chest, center mass right. kind of thing, and then extend all the way down to the pubic bone and are used to access the chest and abdomen. This is the most dramatic element of a uh, medical legal autopsy, and most people who have never seen one performed are stunned by the dramatic way the body is spread wide open by this incision, and we'll be discussing that when we watch the a video that I <laughs> you, saw a snippet of. You keep talking about it. It's like you're trying to prepare yourself mentally I am, for it. I am literally preparing myself for it because I watch these videos at work because, you know, what else do you do when you're on your lunch break at work? I watch fucked up videos. And, yeah, I had a buddy of mine walk by and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so many people have at one time or another seen some sort of surgical procedure performed, yes. right? I mean, most people have seen something, whether it's tiny or whatever it is. Yeah, like movies and stuff like that too right. portray a lot of that. Right. The incisions, even for major abdominal surgery, are thin, neat, and relatively clean, right? Yes, for, for those, surgery. For those surgeries. An autopsy incision uh, doesn't need to be neat. Nope. Nor are they concerned with excessive bleeding. Thus, the corpse is split wide open by a deep cut that is very effective, a very effective reminder that the person being autopsied is, in fact, quite dead. Yeah, and we'll see in the video too, they're, they are very uh, aggressive. Aggressive. Not, not delicate. Not delicate at all. Like when you would normally see like a surgery take place, it's very like fine. They're like meticulous, going slow, very yeah. meticulous. But with this, when they're like spreading the skin and stuff like that, it looks like they're like a butcher just cutting up on a pig. Like just the whole time. <clears throat> yeah. Why are we doing this one again? I'm just... I'm, you, I'm, you, you mentioned it and I was like, I want to do this so badly. So have, we did it. God, to stop mentioning things. Um... <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Uh, assuming they are still intact, the ribs are removed as one piece after the Y incision have been has been made and the flesh peeled away from the bones. This is done with a bone saw, often automated, but there are still some old school types who do it by hand. And it cuts the bone laterally so the internal organs can be examined in situ or 
in place, if you will. Yes. Yes. Situ. That gets the term gets used a lot in this. So you guys know what it means. In place, right? Yeah. In place. Sit to. Like sit. Ooh, boo. Sit. Good dog. Roof. Right. <laughs> right. When finished, the ribs and sternum should lift out of the chest cavity like a lid. At this point, all the internal organs of the trunk, which is the midsection, are accessible to the forensic pathologist. It's standard practice at this point to take another blood sample directly from the heart. Either a triangular incision across the top of the skull or an ear-to-ear incision in the back of the skull are used to access the brain. Since the heart is no longer pumping blood, these wounds bleed, like, hardly at all. Right. There's, I mean, because you you really, I mean, you have a lot of blood, like, in your soft tissue and stuff up here, but there's... Like your brain, when you open up the skull or whatever, there's not a lot of in there to begin with. No, and typically all that's done, it's all done through pressure because your heart is creating the pressure within right. your body. So when your heart stops, the pressure is no longer there. So right. all the blood kind of just seeps into one area wherever gravity affects it. Right. So like if you fall on your back, all the blood's going to be at your back. Right. So. And that's, ugh, that's how you get like bed sores and stuff when you're in the hospital yeah. too long because you're laying there and your blood's just not pumping the way it's supposed to. And then all nope. of a sudden it coagulates into one area. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so much fun. Anyway, woo. so the torso is stretched out on a rubber block before the incisions, uh, or the incisions are made, allowing for maximal exposure and for the best exams. The pathologist makes the Y or U incision, removes the frontal portion of the rib cage, and then uh, analyzes all of the organs that are still in the original place before removing all of the important organs, including the heart, lungs, liver, stomach, and spleen. If you still have a spleen, don't people get their spleens removed? Or is that appendix? That's your appendix. No. Yeah. Don't people get their brains removed? <laughs> Most people I know seem to not have one anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Either the ver- uh, Virchow uh, approach, which involves removing each organ one at a time, or the uh, Rokitansky technique, which involves removing every organ at once, that seems sloppy, yeah. can be used to remove the organs. Yeah, that, I guess... I don't know, like just, just taking them all out in one big clump. I mean, it's not it's not so much that. Like, what they mean by that is like when we're using the virtual approach, you're removing each organ like one at a time, but you're also meticulously looking at them, placing them in their own separate area, which seems like the better method. That would, in my opinion, yeah, I, I don't know. That would I, definitely be the better. Uh, we'll see actually both of those uh, approaches today as well too in the videos. But the Rokitansky technique, where they just kind of take all of them at once, they just kind of take them all at not all at once. They cut them individually still. But then they just throw them in one big pile and they sort it out afterwards. Not very useful, but when you're trying to be quick about it, because you're trying to get the body ready for burial or whatever. Could it also be that, like, uh, for organ donors and stuff, is the the virtual uh, approach probably going to be used yes. more often than the other one where it's like, oh, this motherfucker ain't giving nothing to nobody. Ah. Right. We already know the you cause know? of death kind of thing, so right. we're just taking it all out and moving on. Oh, boy. And yeah, think about all this, folks. Think about this. But then again, you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. So uh, <laughs> the organs are then weighed to determine if any diseases are present. This is done because certain types of illnesses um, can cause a reduction or increase in the weight of organs such as the heart and or the lungs. Like if, I'm sure in high school they showed you from like a smoker's lungs mm-hmm. versus a non-smoker's lungs. And that's all scar tissue that builds up in there. Scar tissue is also a lot heavier. It's a lot more dense. Right. You know, same with like your heart. If you get heart disease that's going to be a lot more dense and way more than like a typical healthy heart. Right. Or if you're overweight or anything like that, all the fat particles and the, the fat yeah. deposits, they, they literally go everywhere. Yeah. Which yeah. Will see as yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Additionally, blood samples are collected for later analysis. Each organ's tissue is broken up into tiny bits and studied under a microscope, which is crazy. They, they literally take that and just chop it up real finely yeah. and then just, oh boy. 
After this, the abdomen is examined and tissue samples taken for analysis and the contents of the stomach are examined. And obviously they do that because there's been plenty of times when somebody, it's to, to determine the time they died. Right. Because if food hasn't had a chance to digest, you can actually calculate when they ate versus when they died. Right. So that happens a lot too. Or, you know, also too, like something, if someone died from food poisoning or whatever, obviously it's going to be in the stomach. You know? Right. Yeah. So when the cause of death are either drowning or a suspected poisoning or drug overdose, the contents of the stomach are removed, examined, and carefully analyzed. All findings are recorded. Examining the contents of the stomach can determine when the victim had uh, last had a meal and also what that meal consisted of. I guess that I should have just kept reading because I said the same thing. I would vary in depth I do that often, yes. don't I? Yes. It's, so it's okay. Because I'm so smart here, Bob. You are. Yes. This is a... Uh, why did that sound like Daffy Duck? Or who was that? No, that almost sounded like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, that was weird. That was good. It was good. Bugs though. Bunny just popped up in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. So this is uh, vitally important is determining time of death is a major factor. As with anything we eat, the body takes time to digest it, like I mentioned, removing valuable nutrients and energy-producing elements, and this takes time moving through the, the digestive tract. Uh, meals that are partially digested, completely digested, or not digested at all can lead to time frames being adopted for the time of death. Samples of bile from the gallbladder, um, ocular fluid from the eyeball, yeah. liver tissue, and urine are also taken for toxicology testing as some poisons may not show in one part of the body but will show in others. And that's kind of crazy. I never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. Huh. So, like, do you can, like, certain poisons, like, hide in your eye? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on, like, where it got to before your body decided to stop pumping. So, it's like whatever was affected first. And Does it pump through your eye? I mean, you have blood vessels that are in your eyeball and stuff yeah, like that. I, guess, so. I, guess. I never, I don't know, for some reason, I never even thought that, like, you know, if somebody poisoned you, that's going to go into your eyeball. You know, but I guess that's why people get, you know, uh, not so much dizzy, but, like, lose their eyesight if, yeah. they're, if they're poisoned or something like that. I guess, okay. Well, that, too, and also depends on injection points as well, too, where the, where the poison was in, in, injected into you, if it was injected. Like, if people like to do it in their eyeball or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. just like, while you're sleeping. Yeah. goes from there right to your heart and doesn't go anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Oh, um, and again, and I know I even told my, you earlier before we did this that I need to stop with the uh, <laughs> segues. <laughs> the, just the, you know, little derails or whatever. But I did watch... Um, Remember when we did a um, the Angels of Mercy? Yes. Uh, Charles Cullen? Yeah. The murderous nurse or whatever? I watched a movie that was based on that called The Good Nurse. It's on Netflix right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. It's awesome. Yeah? It's totally done by... It's it's shot from the perspective of the woman that helped catch him, oh. who was like his best friend. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. So if you guys get a chance to watch that, it just made me think about, you know, because of the ocular and the aunt's up and all that nurse. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's a good movie. Go watch it. Hey, Logan. What's up? Hey. Hi. Do me a favor. Okay. Smell me. Wait, what? Just smell me. Okay. Yeah, smell that? Yeah, it smells good, doesn't it? It does. Because that's Dr. Squatch. Oh, really? Of course. It's the best soap, and we talk about Dr. Squatch all the time on the show. And guess what? What? Our listeners right now can actually save 20% off of orders of $20 or more on their first purchase. No way. Yeah. They can try it out. If you haven't tried out Dr. Squatch, what are you waiting for? You can literally save 20%. Just go to the Midnight Train Podcast.com, click on Sponsor Deals, scroll down a little bit, and uh, click on that banner, the Dr. Squatch banner. You'll see it. And uh, yeah, I smell pretty good, don't I? Yeah, you smell great. Yeah. Thank God I showered today. Thankfully. So the internal genitalia of both males and females are examined. In the case of females, the uterus and vagina are carefully studied for signs of pregnancy rape, or some form of sexual assault. 
In forensic autopsies, bodies in advanced stages of decomposition are often delivered to pathologists, making it difficult to take fingerprints in the standard way. If decomposition is advanced and the skin has loosened enough, it is possible to carefully cut around a corpse's wrist and remove the skin of the hand. So it just slides on off like a glove. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever feel dress a rabbit? Mm, I've done a deer. You uh, Obviously, you just grab it by the neck and you just fling it through your legs and the guts come flying on its ass and it just now all you have is skin. What? <laughs> yeah. If you fling it hard enough, everything just kind of goes... I don't like any of that. Oh, my God. I got a buddy of mine who does a lot of uh, rabbit hunting. So Yeah. So speaking of the hand coming off like a glove, the skin coming off, the pathologist can then wear the skin of the person having the, the, the deceased person like a glove and actually draw finger fingerprints of it uh, off of it as if it was his own hand. Yeah. Think about that. Wearing your hand as a glove. Yeah. yeah. They will literally do that and then they'll go and do fingerprints because, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number four here is uh, body fluid analysis. So depending on the sort of autopsy, body fluids are examined for anything for, uh, from medications, uh, medications to infection to chemical and genetic composition. Blood, urine, bile, and ocular fluid are a few of these fluids. Be aware that some toxins only cause symptoms in specific areas of the body and not others, which we just discussed. And I don't think I even really thought about that before. But then again, yeah, some, some of them hit your kidneys. Right. Some of them hit your lungs. Like, uh, what is it? Um, uh, is it ricin that makes, basically makes it where you can't breathe and you slowly suffocate? I think so. I, th- I think I so. I think it's just like it's an inhibitor on your on the, the oxygen and whatever you want to call it, the oxygenation factor or whatever. Yeah. It just reduces that completely. But it might be neural, though, too. It might actually be like a neural process that makes your, makes your brain tell your body not to breathe or something. It might be. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we're stupid, folks. Anyway, so the organs are then either returned to the body or kept for future study or instruction. Any and all bullet wounds are recorded. The number of wounds is noted as well as the perceived direction of the bullet or bullets. An estimate based on the configuration of the bullet entrance wounds uh, is made as to what distance the gun was from the victim when it was fired. All bullets are removed from the body and placed in plastic bags. The bullets are then examined and recorded as evidence. But of course they are because if someone's been shot, you can take that and compare it to said gun that has been fired. Correct. Most times. Yeah, it's a very similar signature on the type of gun, but only if it's an applicable use if that person has a singular gun that is of that type. Right, and um, it's pretty amazing how they do that as well, too. So they will literally take and they will, uh, if they have the gun in question, they will fire a um, like a, a test shot or whatever right. into like water or something like, like that. Like a gelatin mold or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and then too. they'll take it out and they'll look at the, the they're called striations. Mm-hmm. The striations are the, from the grooves from the inside of the gun. And Correct. They're pretty much like fingerprints. Yeah. So almost every gun that shoots a solid projectile bullet has these striations. Yeah. And so they go in and they will, under a microscope, they'll line them up and see if those striations are similar right you know and they'll also you know you got to figure in like is it a 38 or is it a 556 kind of thing but those striations are what do that in there so it's kind of crazy so that way honestly if you were if someone were to do something like that your shotgun's the best bet yeah that or a a muzzle loader and like an old school like flintlock those don't have uh striations in the barrel at all but they could though because if they're an old school flintlock and it's a muzzle loader Mm -hmm. you're actually using um a poker a poker and you could actually scar the inside of the barrel true so you got to remember those things True. all right shotgun comes out it's just pellets yeah true true, you know what i mean so i'm not telling you guys to do this stuff (laughs) i'm just saying 
if I were to do that, and we are going to do a uh, an episode on like how not to kill someone and how yep. not to get rid of a body. Yes. Yes, we are going to do an episode. It'll probably a bonus episode for that. Yeah, definitely be a bonus yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, just because next thing you know, you hear, do, 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 do. police. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, so number five here, a checkup of the brain. The head region is often the next spot a pathologist examines. To check for indications of brain injury, a uh, second, more focused exterior examination will be performed. Then, similar to how the other organs are inspected inside the body before being removed for additional examination, an incision is made. First, a deep incision is made in the skin of the scalp. Uh, the cut, which is called um, uh, inter- uh, intermastoid, yeah, intermastoid, yeah. yeah. Begins uh, behind one ear, travels over the top of the head, and ends behind the opposite ear. The scalp is then grasped firmly and pulled forward over the face, bearing the skull. Using an electric saw, a wedge-shaped portion of the skull is cut out and removed, exposing the brain. The brain is then removed in its entirety, weighed, and examined. Sometimes it's necessary to examine the brain for signs of degenerative uh, diseases like meningitis or Alzheimer's. If the pathologist determines that this is necessary, after observing the brain in situ, mm. which we know is what? In place. In place. He or she uh, severs the brain's connections to the spinal cord and cranial nerves and gently lifts the brain out of the skull cavity. Just taking it right out of there. We have a wonderful video to watch. I'm yep. just letting you know now, oh, bud. Boy, oh, boy. And those <laughs> links will be in there if you guys want to watch those. I'll please, make sure they're in please there. Please do. After being weighed, the brain is then pre- uh, preserved in a fer- formalin, which is formaldehyde, right? Yeah. Solution that keeps it intact for up to four weeks. It also makes the brain firmer and thus easier to dis- uh, dissect at a later time. That's uh, I didn't know it could only last for up to four weeks. I thought for some reason it could last forever. I mean, they can do um, things that, like, it solidifies it, but therefore once it's solidified, you have that chemical compound in there, so you can't use it for analysis. We're using this formalin um, solution. It uh, doesn't interfere with the, 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 the organ itself. Um, so when it comes to closer analysis and forensics and stuff like that. So after like four weeks, it like starts to like become part of it and maybe like break down a little right. bit or something. Right. Okay. Um, also collected at this time are tissue samples. Okay. Before a dissection, several of the other organs, but particularly the brain are frequently preserved in again, the form formalin for a number of days. This is done to give the organs more time to harden up, which makes it again, the process easier and more precise. Right. The tissue will be retained if the pathologist discovers anything unusual in any of the obtained tissue. Okay, so I'm sure they probably keep little things in there. Yep. Little vials of... Uh, Number six, the concluding steps. The body is patched back together after each organ has had a thorough examination and has either been preserved or restored. Additionally, the ribs and breastbone are put back in their natural locations. The inside of the body is lined with a material that resembles wool before the organs are replaced. This prevents leakage. (laughs) I didn't know that. Didn't didn't know that. Since none of the incisions will be visible after the preparations for the burial have been done, this treatment does not interfere with an open casket funeral because you're typically wearing clothes and you don't really see any of the scars and stuff. Yeah. It's often the case that uh, relatives will want to view a body after an autopsy or have an open casket funeral or memorial service. But at autopsy's end... The body is in no state to be seen by loved ones. The chest cavity is opened in two great flaps and on the top of the head is missing. So if the family has not given permission for organs to be retained for further investigation, pathologists go through a careful reverse procedure designed to make it appear that no autopsy took place. 
but also leaving things set up for easy future examination should that prove necessary. See, that that's crazy. Again, never really put much thought into that, that they kind of have to put you back together. Yep. You know? Like, like a puzzle. Yeah. Like, and, and not even so much, I mean, well, yeah, it's for the family's sake. That's what yeah. it's for. You really got to give them some credit where credit's due to not only do something that 90% of people in this world would never want to do. Except me. Oh, boy. And to think about the family and stuff like that and, like, you know, I guess reverse what they've done in order right. to make it look somewhat presentable. Right. Because nobody wants to walk in and see someone they love just opened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, Logan. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Good. You're a nerd, right? Uh, yeah. Good. Me too. And you use Wise cameras in your home, right? I sure do. Awesome. And Wise is full HD. Oh, yeah. Their cameras. Great quality. Beautiful. Far less expensive than some of those other brands. Of course. And they they work, bottom line. Of course. Right? Yeah. And you can access it from your phone. You can do all those things, right? You can... Everything. You can see everything. I can see everything. That's amazing. And guess what, passenger? You can actually save up to 50% on smart home tech with Wise's fifth anniversary sale. All right? So just get on over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Click on Sponsor Deals. And then you will see that little banner down there for Wise cameras and all their tech. Because it's good stuff. It's very good stuff. And you don't have to break the bank to be safe. Typically, the chest cavity is filled with cotton wool or some other appropriate material, and the internal organs are placed in a plastic bag. The bag is then put into the chest cavity, and the ribs are reattached and the Y incision sewn shut. A similar process is carried out on the skull, and it's often impossible to tell that it was ever cut open. In the first place. Well, if you think about it, and if you're going into like in an open casket, you normally aren't looking at the back of the head. Mm-mm. So, but once you see the videos, you're gonna really think because like the way they go about taking that the your top your top of the skull cap off or whatever, it looks like it should be visible. But then when they go to patch everything back up, you're just like, wow, that's that's insane because of how meticulous they are with making sure every little stitch and all that stuff is so small and not noticeable, and then they kind of. If you have hair, they kind of take the hair and put it over it a little bit, too. So, Mm-mm, Not doing that. Nope. Number seven, medical diagnosis and the autopsy report. It's also vital to remember that each autopsy will be different depending on what it will be used for. A thorough report is written at the end of the process. This report includes a description of every observation made throughout the process, along with any findings and outcomes. Additionally, it provides a medical diagnosis and a thorough analysis of the case outlining the reasoning behind the results. I'm assuming that if you're listening to this show, um, you've probably seen, you know, court cases and stuff where they talk about the, you know, the autopsy or right. the the uh, the path, patholo- pathologist's findings. Right. And they use that. You know what I mean? It's a very integral part of especially like murder cases and stuff. Correct, yeah. I mean, it's huge. Um, so following the autopsies, photographs may be taken, uh, you know, So during the autopsy, and there are several reasons why this might be done. It is possible to snap pictures of the findings to use as evidence in a court case. Again, I'm foreshadowing so much. I'm so good at this. So good. Organs and tissues can be photographed for use in research and education. Additionally, formalin uh, preservation may be used to preserve some of the organs uh, for further inspections. Uh, Sample collection for microscopy, like we were talking about before. Yep. Presentation during lectures or conferences and utilize when learning medicines. And that happens a lot too, especially if you find something that let's just say it was um it was not it was not a forensic um autopsy. It was somebody passed away and they had something really kind of abnormal. Right. They will literally be like, "Okay, this is a huge finding and we want to use this for 
you know, medicinal practices and for lectures and stuff like that. And then they have to go to the family and be like, listen, this is what we found. Right. You know, do we have your authorization to have, I don't know, a heart? Let's just say a heart had some, I don't know, I don't know a bird growing out of it. I don't know, whatever. I don't know why it's a bird. But anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? So they're going to go and they're going to be like, hey, can we use this? Because obviously we've never seen a bird growing out of a heart before. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Uh, and again, um, again, I foreshadowed again. I love it. So, yeah, anyway, they do that. And additionally, tissue can be frozen and kept for later use. Okay. Additionally, uh, specific laboratory tests may be requested, including the following. Uh, to identify specific infectious organisms like bacteria, viruses, or even fungi, cultures are used for uh, chemical analysis to find anomalies in, in uh, metabolism, genetic analysis to find any dangerous mutations, and toxicology research to determine any drug or poison exposure. Right. You know, like you got to see what's going on inside the body here. Because, and again, even if it's a non-forensic autopsy, people want answers. Correct. So, when may one ask for an autopsy? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. In the U.S., the operation may be requested if the death occurred under questionable questionable conditions or in unique situations, such as a death that occurs during surgery. If an autopsy is desired but not mandated, it may be requested and authorized by a relative. Additionally, this relative has the authority to decide the nature and extent of the process, determining which organs may be examined or used for other purposes after the procedure, which I didn't know that. I thought it was kind of all or nothing. Mm-hmm. But you can actually request to be like, I just want his brain examined. Yeah. I guess I kind of did know that, though, because when it comes to... Um, Dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff like that? No. For... Um, I mean, yes. I don't know why I said... No. <laughs> Definitely not that. No. No, but for uh, like football players and, and wrestlers and stuff that get that uh, CTE... Oh, yeah. They'll... The relatives will request to have their brains, you know, um, done an autopsy... Well, not done... But researched further. Right. You know, look in there, see if you see this and whatnot, because then they can file claims and... It also helps to, you know, further progress science, yeah. you know? So, um, uh, let's see here. Mortuary, uh, mortuary tools. Mortuary. Mortuary. <laughs> used by licensed morticians, all right? So, they, they have to be licensed to use these things, Correct. right? Several of the many tools required for an autopsy include, but are not limited to, first, the bone saw. Yeah. Bone saw. I don't even know what that's from. It's Spider-Man. Is it? Yeah, that's uh, 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 Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, that's Bone Saw. Bone Saw. You're in here with Bone Saw. <laughs> Dig it. So with 206 bones in the body, a pathologist is sure to need a quality saw. So obviously he's going to get like a... A DeWalt. A DeWalt. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Of course. Milwaukee yeah. maybe. Mil- yeah, maybe a Milwaukee. Those yeah. are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. No, they're uh, they're called uh, ge- either Geely. I'm going to say Geely or Geely Saws. Giggly. It's not giggly. <laughs> and he grabs his giggly saw. No, I'm, I, it's G-I-G-L-I, and I think that's Geely. Yeah. Because the movie, the really horrible movie with Ben Affleck, that yeah. was called Geely. Oh. So I'm just going to say it's called, uh, whatever. <laughs> they provide smooth, level cuts, while powered saws offer uh, precise cuts on the uh, cranial cap. It's a be- um, best precaution to utilize a bone dust vacuum while performing autopsies with an electric saw. This eliminates the risk of possible airborne contaminated fragments. And that's another part of this you have to think about, too. What if somebody has some sort of, like, a disease that can be transferred? Yeah. And you're... In there. In there. Close and breathing it all in. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then bone fragments. I didn't even think about that. Just pieces of just Just dust. Bone dust coming up. Uh, Number two is the scalpel. And I'm sure we all know what a scalpel is. 
Very similar to the surgeon's tool, the scalpels used in autopsies are often longer to allow for deeper cuts while piecing um, away tissue. Mm-hmm. Okay, They're available in a variety of sizes as well as quality metal and disposable options. Although disposables are quick and easy, they may raise concern for facilities with limited budgets. Instrument cleaning time can be reduced using instrument soaking solutions. I had no idea that they made disposable scalpels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, just quick and easy. Pop it open. You already know what's sanitized for once. So you don't have to worry about doing the, sanitiz- the sanitization process right before you go to use it. Yeah. And it's just a quick one and done. And then if they need to use it for future, you know, like look at the specimen or whatever, they can include that with the organs and stuff to show what was cut away and use that as a... Yeah. Do you think the uh, the, the pathologist has like a dartboard behind him and when he's done, he just goes... And throws it in there. He's just got like 8, 10, 12 of them sticking in there. No, but you gave me an idea when I become a mortician, though. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number three is scissors. There are a myriad of different size and tipped scissors. Dissection is easier with specialty scissors to open certain organs or to cut tiny vessels. It is often advised that blunt tip scissors be used for autopsy cases as it uh, significantly reduces the risk for examiner injury. Right? Obviously, you don't want to be up in there and yeah. cut yourself, you know? If sharp tips are necessary, uh, take caution. Uh, they take caution by manipulating tissue with forceps in the opposite hand versus holding tissues with fingers. Correct. Obviously, you don't want to do that. And when we watch the video with the whole, you know, scalpel and all that stuff, some of the cuts that they do, they get very close to their hand while they're peeling away skin and trying to, you know, slice it away from the the bone or from the muscle that it's connected to. So you have to be very, very mindful of that. And using forceps is usually a smart thing to do. But a lot of people, when it's being quick, they're just kind of rash and go. And keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, rib shears. Ah, yes, the rib shears. This instrument is essential to examine some of the body's most important organs held within the rib cage. Shears allow for more manageability than powered saws while opening the chest cavity. Many pathologists opt for gardening shears as a cheaper alternative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You heard that, folks. They do. But it's recommended to purchase true rib dissection shears to ensure quality material for long-term use and ease of cleaning. So next time you're out gardening, you got your gardening shears with you, just think, somewhere, sometime, there's a pathologist out there using those to do an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Perform an autopsy, should I say. One of the uh, the most significant sounds that I still can never get out of my head is when I was having to watch an inmate get a quadruple, quadruple bypass surgery done on his heart and they had to crack open his ribs. And hearing the <coughs> of them doing that, mm-hmm. it still resonates in my mind to this day, dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chalk up as PTSD on that one. <laughs> I wasn't even there, and I have PTSD now. So <laughs> this, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Can can you transfer PTSD through words? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Number five, uh, toothed forceps. Forceps with uh, tooth tips allow for better grip and lifting of heavier tissues. Tooth forceps are uh, more often used in post mortem procedures over surgical, as they could be uh, potentially traumatic to live specimen and lacerate tissues because it actually has like teeth teeth on it so yeah. you could damage stuff that you're trying to like save Correct. you know so yeah. you got to be got to be careful so yeah those are just some of the main tools they use so now let's talk about body cooling i mean yeah. what do you what are you going to do with the body you got to keep it on before ice. and or after yeah you know body coolers are crucial for body preservation and postponing the body's decomposition hey 
Richard Kuklinski knew that. Yeah. You know. You gotta chill. Chill. <laughs> it is not ideal to have a dead body at a funeral that smells awful and appears to be decomposing in front of your eyes. Holy shit, hell no, it's not. <laughs> oh, I don't think you need to say that. <laughs> I don't think that needed to be said. Captain Obvious. Body coolers prevent this from happening. Therefore, having high-quality body coolers is essential to an autopsy, as well as everything that occurs before and after the process. Then there are the cadaverous tables. The body is supported by autopsy autopsy tables, which are made to allow the body to be positioned in a way that provides for the most productive examination. Additionally, they offer a spotless surface in which to operate. To ensure durability and best use, these tables must be strong, stable, and constructed from high-quality, durable materials because, listen, people come in a range of sizes. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean... You got to think, what if you get somebody in there that's like, I don't know, a basketball player, he's seven foot tall. Mm-hmm. Um, or somebody who is very, 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 very large. Right. That table has got to be able to handle all that. Yep. So, and also to be properly positioned as well, too, for any fluid that needs to be drained out as well. Right. Yeah, they usually have like, oh, it'll probably say, I'm not even going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, because it's foreshadowing, motherfucker. So an autopsy table with a sink is a piece of equipment that enables the professionals to clean and hygienic, hygienically, hygienically maintain the body. Due to the sterile nature of the treatment and the setting in which is performed, this is crucial. Again, yeah, you, you gotta gotta keep it clean, man. Yeah. Uh, so then they have the uh, sinking sinks. Yes. With embalming. Yes. So embalming is the process of keeping a body preserved. As was already indicated, this is crucial for both the funeral and the autopsy process. Maintaining your facility's cleanliness and usability is uh, easy with an embalming sink station. Furthermore, things frequently become disorganized when working with human organs and tissue. In order to maintain hygiene, you must have a space where you can clean. Okay? Like, I mean, you have to. Yeah. It's... (laughs) So there's a body concealment table. Yeah. Right? Or also known as a cadaver cart. That's a new band name right there. Cadaver cart. Ladies and gentlemen, cadaver cart. But it should be country. (laughs) That'd be even... That'd be even... Yeah, it should. You come out... What's everyone more cadaver cart? Thank y'all for coming by. It's a cadaver cart. <laughs> so hiding the body from prying eyes is a dignified approach to honor the person who formerly inhabited it. Which is used heavily for scientific research procedures when you have a group of people who are watching you work on a donated body or a, a teaching, I guess, instruction, as you might say. Um, they use this to obviously conceal the body so you don't know the identity of it if that identity was not wished to be exposed. Oh, it makes sense. Yes. Makes sense. So, yeah. So I had a, a, uh, a similar situation one time. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can tell the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't like tangents. Fuck off. It's my show. Whatever. <laughs> so um, years and years and years ago, um, I found out that I have a um, <laughs> a cyst mm-hmm. on my right testicle. Yes. And it is painful at times. Yes. Okay. So as I go in to get examined, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, um, I lay on the, the table mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they make me take off my trousers. Yes. You know, fully all out there. Nice. Yep. The boys, the whole gang's hanging out, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. So then I lay down on the table there and, you know, they come over and they have this little sheet and the sheet has just one hole right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they take and pull the mm-hmm. whole the whole family comes out mm-hmm. the whole family, mm-hmm. and they go and they do a uh, sonogram. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they take this liquid, and they got the little thing you know for babies where you 
that thing. Yeah. Except they're doing it on my my jewels. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the lady, super nice. Oh, and yeah. the entire time, you're also thinking to yourself, please do not get an erection. Please do not get, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're yeah, because that would be, be odd, right? I mean, or would it? I don't know. That's, that's what kind of video we're going for. Yeah, well, I guess that's true, yeah. So anyway, the, the nurse, who was an elderly lady, and I don't know, uh, she's probably a specific person that does like those things. I'm assuming like they the have. cleaning and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Well, no, like to, to actually do the... Um, the stretching? The sonogram. Oh, the sonogram. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I'm assuming there's someone that does that, right? Yeah. That's their... They're called a sonogram technician. I don't know, something like that, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. We're yeah. stupid. But anyway, so old older lady, she stops and she goes, um, I'm going to be right back. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what the hell did you find? You know? So she gets up and walks out of the room. And she comes back in a couple minutes later. She's like, um, so we actually have a group of, uh, um, what is it, uh, doctors who aren't doctors yet? Uh, not interns. Like what pre-med or whatever? Yeah, what are students. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were wanting to know if they could come in while I was doing this procedure. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious right now? This is this is my boys, man. Like, so she's like, oh, listen, you know, we'll put a sheet up or whatever over your face so nobody knows who it is. And I was like, eh, why not? They're, they're already out Yeah. There. I'm like, this is already, you know, humiliating enough, so why not? So next thing I know, there was like eight to ten st- uh, students with like an actual, uh, you know, a, uh, I guess a, a more advanced doctor. I don't know how the whole doctoral thing yeah, works. The, but the tier system, yeah. Yeah, like. Anyway, so he comes in and he's like, and right now what's happening is, is this gentleman and talking, and I'm just laying behind this sheet going, <laughs> you know what I mean? As a whole bunch of people are just yeah. looking at your junk. And none of it was warm. So let's yep. just say it probably wasn't flattering. Well, at least they didn't know who you were. Yes. Thank God for that. Funny thing is to until on. now, someone, someone listening is going, wait a minute. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I had the exact same thing happen with me, but I didn't have that large of a group of people. I only had two people that came in on top of that because I thought I had the exact same thing on my genitalia as well, too. And then I also had that same thing happen when I was getting my vasectomy done. Uh, doctor was like, yeah, we're teaching these new guys how to do this stuff or whatever, so we're going to have one guy sit in on us while we're doing this. And I had a, I didn't have a cadaver card thing or whatever over my face or anything because, you know, it was just one guy, you know. Yeah, this was like a whole team. Yeah. So like, I didn't have that like, kind of. Like the whole school got to see the prize possession. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Like it was, it is what it is. You yes. know? Hopefully they learned something. Yeah. Yes. I learned what the vasectomy, what the inside looks like because I got to watch him do the Where whole they thing. Slice the vase difference and then they tie yes. it all up. And yes. did, they, did they solder you up? No, they, they sewed. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So, yeah, you guys probably didn't think you were going to hear those stories today, did you? No, you're welcome. Welcome to the family, folks. <laughs> so the body, uh, again, for the cadaver carts here, or the table, um, the body will inevitably um, need to be moved, and using a body-concealing trolley is the ideal method to treat the body with respect and provide it with the privacy it deserves, obviously. Even while in a medical sense, this gadget is not necessarily necessary. It is nevertheless ideal to have one on hand. So they don't use them often. No. But they use them. Yes. Right. So now... A body weighing apparatus. Yes. Um, yeah. Also known as a scale. I mean. <laughs> a pathologist can learn a lot from a patient's body weight and use it to make many different inferences. A body weighing scale is the ideal tool to make the procedure easier because moving a dead body is frequently difficult. A uh, bit, yeah. A little bit. That's why you always hear people chopping up bodies because it's hard to move a body. Yeah. 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 Oof. I mean, it's dead weight. They call it that for a reason. Yeah. 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 Therefore, it is important to use a high-quality scale to guarantee a precise reading. Yes. 
All right, so quality and accuracy are essential. A variety of different tools and equipment are required to conduct a successful autopsy. If these tools are of poor quality, a number of issues could occur. Accuracy is essential during an autopsy, and a reading error induced by subpar tools, you know, having shitty tools around, might significantly alter the conclusion reached. Now, you have to keep in mind as well, too, not everywhere in the world has as high, I wouldn't say it has high quality, but... Oh, yeah, uh, look at third world countries. I right. mean, I, they, I don't know if they have the accessibility to have, like... Right, or the funding or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, we will see in our first video. When are they using fucking butter knives or something? It's, just say it's not as advanced as we... Got a Play-Doh set in there. Ah, oh, boy. Hammer and chisel. And, you know. <sighs> an autopsy is a difficult procedure that needs numerous different tools, as well as various viewpoints and methods. It can be applied for many different purposes, but in the end, it enables a pathologist to get an accurate decision. So how long does it take for one single autopsy to be completed? Hmm. How long, Logan? Well, we did say earlier about two to three hours, but let's go further in. Okay. A post-mortem takes about an hour to do from start to finish. It takes longer to describe. A specialist can do some in, you know, do some in uh, 20 to 30 minutes if there's a self-evident cause of death. Right. It tends to be pretty quick post-mortem you know, on thin people. Okay. They are faster than post-mortems on people who have more fat on their body. Right. Okay. Yeah, more stuff to move around. Correct. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's, and if you already know the cause of death, all you're really doing is going in there, cleaning everything out, sewing them back up, and not but pushing them along their way for the funeral or whatever else they're going to be used for. Right. So. As it's easier to get at the organs when they're not covered in layers of fat, and it can be difficult to dissect them. For a fatty, a fatty dead body, a tricky postmortem helps to save time. Uh, they've uh, had tubes, lines, and things that can take uh, three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Like sucking things up or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, having yeah, to clear yeah, it all yeah, out yeah. and stuff. Oh, because Boy. it unfortunately gets in the way of what you're trying to get into, which our second video is of a heftier person. Ooh. Yes. So now that you beautiful people out there understand all of the steps involved in the process of an autopsy, we are now going to, uh, we're going to watch an autopsy take place, and maybe two, depending if I can handle it. <laughs> Now, since it is rather graphic, we are not going to show the video live or during this recording, you know, as basically visu visually. Right. But uh, we're going to watch it and uh, give our reactions yeah. to seeing it done. So uh, this first one here uh, has a little bit of a description, a describer, if you will. Yes. Uh, do you want to describe it? Yeah, sure. Sure. So the first one is, uh, I mean, crazy enough, we found all these videos on YouTube, which I think is hilarious, but not at the same time. But anyways, so um, the first video that we're going to have posted in the description is going to basically give you the best procedure, the best, vis best visual procedure um, for, uh, basically, this is a skinnier guy. Um, the video itself is going to show, I, I think, the best representation of how they remove the skull cap and get the brain out and all that stuff. Um, this is at a foreign country. I don't know exactly what country it's from, but I can kind of hint, I guess, at where it would be um, from the voices and from the area itself. Um, is Yuri doing it? No. Look, everyone, what I can do. <laughs> I have space rope. Yeah. We'll take all organs, sell them on black market, buy more space rope. Yeah. Hey, you know, a funny, funny thing you mentioned that a uh, a human heart goes for about four hundred and forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And just think about this. I gave you mine for free. 
Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's watch this first one here, folks. You ready? Oh, boy. I don't know. All I right. really don't know if I am or not. Just make sure the vol- volume's turned volume. on. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's, let's, uh, so, steps of autopsy. Today, I am going to demonstrate you steps of opening of skull. We will start with oh, boy. scalp. It's a little blurry at first, but it fixes itself. Is given from mastoid process to another mastoid process over the vertex. So I'm giving the first incision. <clears throat> See, this is the <clears throat> mastoid process. So there's a body so on the, the table. This is the mastoid process. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, his face is covered. Yes. So this is the mastoid process. Mastoid I'm starting process. my incision from one mastoid. It's going over the vertex toward the He's doing the 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 mastoid. Another mastoid. From one mastoid okay. to the other. So, so this is the first the season. Yep. It's oh boy. Please take care that hairs are. So this is on the skull, yeah. So, saying so take all care. All the hairs of the scalps are cut. This is the first in season. We we'll just extend extend this. Oh, above the ear. Little yep. bit like this. What is this for like? For ease of dissection. Autopsies for dummies, man. No, Come this on. anterior flap. Anterior flap will be retracted forward. He's not using any delicacy whatsoever. Nope. He's quick and crude. See, see, we are retracting. I mean, there's the there's blood in there, flat. but it's not a lot of blood. No, yeah, it's whatever. Mainly, mainly, you can kind of see it's all like focused on the back of the skull. Right. Oh boy. And he just peels the scalp. Oh, he's peeling it like an orange, dude. With the finger. Like an orange, gives the same. Better result compared to the knife. Oh boy. Like this. Okay. So anterior flap, we are retracting. Yeah, the membrane, cutting the membrane on the interior flap. Oh, you found this on YouTube? Yep. Well, I guess it's like, you know. It's informational. Yeah, for medicinal purposes or or training, learning. Yeah. Or for making me nauseous. (laughs) Oh, boy. The skull is so clean. So clean. It's so weird. Yeah. Like you would think that it, I don't know. I don't know why I would think that it wouldn't be, but. Maybe I just thought that, like, you know, it'd be all bloody and... Yeah, more like veins and stuff like that. Yeah. All that stuff resides right on the inside so of the, the skin. Did someone's phone just go off? Yeah. <laughs> like Very this. crude video. Turn your phone off! Now, we will retract the posterior flap. Again, just extend the lesion. Why is it going down? Because he has to get the back of the flap down as well, too, so he can get the skull cap off. Because the skull cap is on the crown of your head, which is, like, basically at the, the highest point of your skull. Boy, I really hope that guy's dead. <laughs> what? Just saying. Can you imagine just being unconscious? Waking up. And waking up in the middle of that. And your face is peeled over, or your head's peeled over your face. Uh, yeah. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. And we'll talk about it, folks. I actually have a really cool uh, episode idea coming up, so... Yeah, oh, boy. So right now, he literally has the front half of the scalp pulled See, over the face. The right. And then the lower half kind of pulled down back towards the back of the head. Posterior flap. And he's, uh, he's uh, dicing it up right now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm going to eat those steaks later. I'm just saying. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna, those, I'm gonna those, eat those steaks those are, later. Those, yeah. those are gonna be good steaks. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be good. So, see, now the anterior flap is anteriorly, and posterior flap is. That's them cutting out, not, not us, folks. Yeah. 
Now, next step is identify the temporalis fascia. This is the temporalis fascia. Is, is that a brick? is temporalis muscle. Yeah. We will cut this temporalis muscle and fascia like this. Oh, oh. By this swipe so of this knife. So this is the, the, the temple. temporalis fascia. A uh, muscle. A muscle-like yeah. tissue right there. Yeah, on the other side. Similarly for yeah. on another side. So he's cutting those off right now. But why is we'll the dude laying the on a brick? Temporalis muscles. It gets a uh, little more crude here in a minute. Now, next part. More than this? Well, we I mean, there's flies the flying around everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for that, first we'll make an outline. We'll make an outline with the help of this iron blade. Oh, he's got a saw, like a little hand saw. Yeah, almost and like a bread knife. You guys hear that noise? He's That's going through the front of the skull. So right right now. now what he's doing is he's carving an area around the skull cap where he is going to take the skull cap off, but he needs the line so he can see where he's going to make proper cuts and stuff. And that's not wood, that's a skull. That yeah, that's bone. And this think about that folks too. When people when you hear about these murder stories and people dismembering stuff, bone is not easy to go through. No. It is not. And this is the same spot that he's been sawing after the last like fifteen seconds now. Yeah. And flies and shit. Come on, man. Yeah, not very hygienic at this facility, unfortunately. Clean this up. And this is a uh, instructional video for um, students the, for students at the school that this is being taken place at. So yeah. Promise. Make sure I don't die in whatever country this is. I I got you. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. No problem. I don't ask for much. No, no, no. That doesn't seem like a big ask, right? But no. that's a. That's a Pretty. So now he had to clean off the uh, the, the knife because there was uh, skull fragments attached to the, the knife because, unfortunately, it's not a very clean cut cutting tool. Yeah, shouldn't he be having like a, ma or like a mask or something on because of the bone dust? Now step he, he, oh, now he does. Yeah. Skull cap. He, did, he did not a he second did ago. He did not before, but he's uh, got it now. And the interior flap forward. Pushing the skins back and forth. Backward. Then we had made an outline. So he's going to use an actual bone, like an automatic saw now? We'll see. Posteriorly, Then between the interior and posterior cut. Stop throwing shit, Bill! So we had made an outline. You can see all the bone dust on the floor. Usually that's cleaned up. we will use our chisel and hammer. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Chisel and hammer. He's got a fucking chisel and a hammer. And going along where he made those... I guess guidelines. Yeah. Score marks, yeah. And like this, it's like just breaking the skull. Yep. This is disturbing. I'm sorry. This is like super disturbing. But it is the best accurate representation of how they would get the brain out on this one because the video itself is just. Uh, In what? The 1820s? I mean. Come on, man. He's wearing an Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He's not. Oh, yeah. I don't recommend this for any of you uh, listeners, you beautiful so passengers that have a... Uh, skull cap. So they pulled the skull cap off, so now hey. you just oh, have you the membrane the delicate on the brain. disposition. Yo, there it is. That's that's the brain, huh? That's the membrane over the brain. Now who's oh. going to cut the that away? Okay. Along the same line of incision that we have... He ain't putting this back together. No. There's no way you're putting this back cap. together. This is Humpty Dumpty right here. It's And there's the brain. Oh boy! The, back same the line of incision. And then all the we fluid from the brain the that's kind of there is pouring out as well too. Usually you would have some sort of sink or vacuum sucking that up as yep. well. It's like someone cracked open a coconut. Yep. Now he's cutting uh, the the rag to try and peel the skin back. The the rag that the dude's it's face is covered by. Yeah. 
He just no, ripped it, it or cut it and is dabbing up the brain fluid. Yeah. How is this a training video? Is this how not to do? Unfortunately, a- not everywhere has accessible funds to have proper procedures and tools to use. So they have to do what they can with what they got. I guess. You can see the brain. Yeah, we, we can see it. Yeah. Is that dura? Yeah. That's, uh, that's a brain. The brain. And then he's going to finger the brain until he can get his hands in the front of the, the, the frontal cortex. Fingers of left hand yeah, in front of the frontal lobe. Oh, I can almost smell that. Oh, yeah. I've never really realized once they go to pull the actual brain out what it actually looks like. Like yeah. the underneath portion of it. Yeah. See the it looks like nerve. testicles. Yeah. I'm going That's to cut the, this optic the nerve. Yeah. yeah. This optic nerve is cut. So then you cut the optic nerve. On this one side and on another side. Oh, boy. And that's your inside of your skull right there. Oh, boy. Oh, so he's removing the eyes with it. He's just severing the, 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 the connection between the eyes and Below the brain can so you can the pull the brain out. Okay. So the eyes are staying in there. Oh, okay. I thought he was I'm taking like, the, the whole thing out. And, uh, and then he's cutting the tendons at the base of the, the brain that kind of keep it in place. I'm turning it down just a little bit here because it's starting to get all loud now. I'm just slowly but surely pulling it all back and oh, trying to oh, several those connections. It looks like... Other side also. Like and beef, simultaneously, I will put my <laughs> knife, the foramen magnum, to give a cut over the spinal cord. Oh, now he's cutting the spinal cord so he can pull the brain out. Well, that's so crazy how it's like cut. all the almost all like little rubber band things, yeah. like ligaments remove. that are in there. Yep. I'm assuming that's what those are. I have no idea. Still I'm not a doctor, folks, as you can probably tell. <laughs> you have to give a cut over the tentorium cerebelli on this side. With the finger, I'm removing the So he's almost got the brain out. Cerebellum. Um, he di- di- yeah, dissected a bunch of stuff inside and, and cut a bunch of like tendons and tissue and whatnot. And now he's just working to try and remove the cerebellum and the no, brain all in the one finger, piece. I'm removing the cerebellum of this side. And there's two parts of your cerebellum. Now, cerebellum of both sides are in my hand. So final. And there's your brain. Oh, boy. Like I said, it almost, it's weird. I never realized that the, the cerebellum almost looked like that. I thought it was a little bit more brain. of a rigid oh, structure. Oh, that piece here? Yeah. Complete yeah. brain with both cerebellum, with the pons, medulla. It's very soft. <laughs> Something wrong with your medulla. So that it's is the first video. And that is of them taking that out. All right. We're, uh, we're gonna, can we just, uh, uh, yeah, let's just uh, not go to the next one yet. You sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Let's just uh, hold on a second here. Um, next one's worse. So. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah, I'm going to... Just going to sit here for a minute and just talk to you. Perfect. Yeah. Have a little discussion because I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. You're looking a little white there, bud. I'm feeling a little white. Yeah? I am. I'm feeling a little flushed right now. It's, uh, uh, it's definitely like you need to have not only nerves of steel, but also a stomach of titanium. Yeah, I don't know. Ooh. All right, and um, be able to kind of like turn off because one the smells in the area, the the texture of everything as well too. If you're a very texturized person, like taste, the texture. I love gold. I love gold so much. I unfortunately had an unfortunate smelting accident. 
Dutch hater. <laughs> all Dutch right. Hater. Let's do this next one here. All right. This these one. Pe- these people don't have all day to hear us gather around. This uh, this one's going to be. And what's uh, this one? So this is of a heavier person. This is going to be uh, as the steps kind of were going through earlier on the, uh, the, the the guide, I guess you would say, is that typically they do the, the, the trunk or the chest and the abdomen so first. Ch- chest cavity. Okay. So where the, the first video, they did the head first, which I just okay. wanted to kind of show both of those. All right. Um, so this is of a heftier person. So you're going to see a lot more of the fat and how they have to remove and hey, kind, of a big, kind of a big guy. Um, and, and his but, face is blurred out in this one, not covered. So it's just blurred yes. out. Um, and this is also a little bit more of a financially put together air. Yeah. More medically advanced. Yeah. I like okay. That. That's a better term. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm not a dick. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Does one have sound? Does it not have sound? Uh, it might not have any sound. Oh, there it is. There it is. And well, we he's... Oh, boy. Decision. Making the first incision of, uh, of the sternum down to the pelvic bone. Oh, boy. And if you didn't know, fat is yellow. I'm never eating a mango again. Oh, my. That's what it looks like. It looks like mango. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Thank you. You're welcome. And so are you guys out there. And he's just quick, almost like a... He's just filleting it, the skin, and peeling it all right. back. Yeah, because it's just... It's just... Most of you asking, what is this yellow... Uh, color, it is the fat. Yeah. And it's change. It is color is like this is yellow without any filters, any adding uh, colors. And it is uh, different from one person to another person. And oh. these are the muscles of the chest, which is the pectoralis major and pectoralis minor. Is the muscles of the chest. The chest and it is used Dude, for the I'm not gonna lie. Muscles of the chest. Uh, Those chest muscles. It looks like beef. Like seriously, that looks like. Look at that. Yeah, it looks just like a beef, like, which, a, like a steak or something. Which, I mean, like a flank steak, is what it looks like. Yeah, but I mean, muscle in general for most animals are pretty much the exact same thing. You know, like color, texture, use, and stuff like that. So I'll tell you what, if y'all have ever been on the edge of becoming a uh, vegetarian, I got a video for you. <laughs> Except mangoes will not be on the diet. Holy mackerel. Yeah, and he's just still cutting away, trying to expose the, the yeah. abdomen. He's got both sides kind of open on the, the skin and the fat. And man, the fat is thick. What is it, two inches? Yeah, at least. Two, three inches thick? Yeah, it's a lot. In spots? Oh, I'm going to start working out tomorrow. Oh, shit. And then there he has his scissors where he's going to try and cut oh, through. Oh, here comes his shears. Now and yeah, they look like gardening shears. Yep. Bone cutter oh. for cutting off the ribs and uh, separation of the bone. Oh, boy. And to make it easy to, uh, and your ribs, surprisingly uh, enough, uh, and a lot of parts, it's a lot. It's mainly yeah, cartilage. Yeah, and then the with the bone and then the muscle wrapped in between as well too. So uh, when they're going to pull that apart, um, you'll see here how easy it is to kind of cut through that. I've broken three ribs on each side of my body. Yeah, and it's no fun. Oh shit! Well, <laughs> oh, hold on to that, buddy. That's oh. where forceps would come in very handy. Yeah, he, that thing, those shears just slipped out of his hands. Yeah, almost knocked his finger right off. Yeah, but now he's getting rid of the muscle yeah. off of it. So that was cutting the bone a minute ago, yeah, right? Cutting the, the bone and the muscle, yep. Damn, there's fat everywhere in there. Under the muscle, above the muscle. Fat This dude was really unhealthy. Yeah, fat unfortunately accumulates in every organ, which we'll see here in a moment too when they go to pull the heart out, how fatty the heart turns into after just years of not keeping yourself fit oh, man. or healthy, you know? This is... Okay, so now he's kind of like separating through the lower abdomen and the upper abdomen. Oh, that, no, that's his chest. That's I'm sorry, I thought chest. it was upside down. Yep. So that's his chest plate. They're yep. the kind bre- of the breastplate. Yeah, yep. kind of getting rid of that. 
Now, in the first video we watched, it was not as, obviously, as cleanliness as this is, so a lot of the fluid and stuff like that. Um, they just kind of went through and just kind of cut them open and let all the fluids kind of pour out. Where here, they're actually going to use string to try and um, put them back together. Hold, hold, no, hold things in place so oh. fluids don't secrete out. Oh, okay. That doesn't make more of a mess. All right. I'm, it's, all right. Obviously, you guys, if you don't want to watch this, that's why we're kind of describing everything. But, like, under... That's the heart. Under the chest plate, there's so much fat. And he's pulling the heart out now, which is covered in fat. It's pretty much all yellow. normal in usual, like this age. And it is surrounding by the fat tissue. And this will be one of the cause of the... Uh, myocardial infarction, maybe. Oh, so the guy died from a heart attack? Yeah. Uh, or chronic infarction from the heart. And also, I'm sure that the weight of the heart will be not normal. And we try to make a section from the heart and remove the heart from the chest and later making a gross examination on the heart. Oh, so he's saying that later he'll pull that out and he'll whatever. Okay, he's not doing that now. Good. Okay. Not, I mean, I've seen it now, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might as well just go for it. Damn. Oh, dude, I am so working out. That's it. No more bacon. No more bacon. Yep. I got to stay away from a lot of hefty fats. Yep. Yep. I'm not doing. Sugars. Yep. Yeah. Done with all that now. Yeah. This has learned me a lesson. And now we're looking at the lower portion of the admin. So now you can yep. kind of see the, uh, the intestines. The I see intestines that there. Stuff. Is that the stomach right here in that part? Yeah, that would be the uh, the stomach. That's a stomach. So large. And there's your liver. Liver. Which a liver, surprisingly enough, looks rather healthy. Yeah. So obviously not a whole lot of signs of like drinking or anything like that. Well, you probably notice that from the inside, right? The, right. Uh, lower end of the stomach. Lower part of the stomach. Some of you asking why we make this stitching around the end of the stomach. So it doesn't so spew out everywhere. The answer of this question is that we want to take the content of the stomach as it is. Right. So there is no leaking from the stomach from the end. Uh, till it will reach to the it's a pretty amazing uh, stitch that he did right there. Did you see that? Yep. examination. For example, maybe there is any kind of the uh, drug or poisoning or right because you want to keep the contents. The, right, right. We discussed that. Is, uh, foreign inside of the stomach. We try to make it to be sure it will not go out uh, during the. Yeah, he's nodding it up quite a quite a few many times to try and make sure it's so nothing yeah. gets out of there. Yeah. This will be different a little bit. Maybe this guy's way more of a professional than that last dude. Yeah. I think that last dude broke into some place and just wanted to dice and the just body. probably wanted a brain to take home because that was well, brutal. It, I, there's a reason why I didn't show the rest of that video because they do the the internal organs as well too, like in the stomach area, like this, like this, but they don't do it like this. It's cut, slice, plop, cut, slice, plop. <laughs> Literally, that's it. We're here. He's taking time. He's trying to keep the contents from moving. He's uh, knotting things up, um, getting rid of fluids and stuff as they come out. Yeah. yeah. Very cleanly as well, too. Yeah. Oh, it's it's cleanly. So this is what a more proper cleanly? Clean? Would be. It's clean, not cleanly. Yes. It clean. Clean. Just clean. You don't need to say cleanly. I mean, yeah. I think. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds odd. I don't know. He's still tying off the, uh, the the stomach from like one part to another, so when they cut it in the middle, nothing is lost. Right. Which it's just crazy to look how that like how much it stretches the stomach. Well, yeah, think about that. Think about those um those uh, professional eaters. Yeah, those, yeah. The, you know, I guess whatever you want to call them, eaters. 
they say your stomach can expand. What is it, 12 times the size or something like yeah, that? It's ridiculous. Crazy. It may be even more than that. I'm just making up numbers. I could have said 37, and you guys would have bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing the other end and tying that off as well, too. And then I just cannot believe the amount of fat, dude. And he doesn't. And this guy's not like he's not like ginormous. No, he's, he's like a hefty dude. Yeah, he's just a, a, a burly looking guy. Yeah, yeah. I'd say he's probably I don't know maybe about two fifty, two sixty. Yeah, I'd probably say closer to three hundred. But 300. yeah, okay, but not like. But no, he's like an average height, average height of a guy. Yeah, like yeah. that's just so wow. But yeah, unfortunately, just with unhealthy. You guys stay away from that McDonald's. Yup. Processed food. Yeah, all the processed food. Yeah, processed meats. Yeah. All that stuff. Make your stuff at home. Use natural ingredients and stuff, and hopefully you don't have this going on because, my goodness. Yeah, it's a lot. It seriously just looks like it looks like mango. It's so weird. Yeah, that is kind of weird. I never. Uh, but he said it is different on everybody, though. Yeah, it is. The texture and the uh, the colors can be a little bit more. The texture. <laughs> the smell of it. The taste of it. The texture. Freaky deaky Dutch bastard. Sorry, and if you guys don't know those references, that's from uh, Goldfinger. Gold member. That's what I said. <laughs> Goldfinger was uh, Bond. James Bond. Was it Goldfinger or was it Golden Eye? Both. Because well, yeah, the whole thing was an older movie, wasn't yeah. it? And GoldenEye was with uh, my boy Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Do you want me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I want you to die. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. I love that we're watching an autopsy video and uh, talking about James Bond movies. Yeah. Welcome to the show, folks. <laughs> and now the stomach is removed and okay. put into a container. We add the formalin 10% and to preserve the process. The formalin, the formaldehyde or whatever, yeah. To be honest, I thought that that stomach was going to be way bigger. Yeah, it really wasn't. But, I mean, it still had a lot of room to, to stretch up. But it also right. looks like he didn't have much in there as well, too. So when he passed, he didn't really eat much beforehand. It yeah. Like. They were saying he was having, like, heart issues or whatever. That's crazy. And that's the so liver? The yep. Liver. Okay. We take the, liver the liver has no fat on it whatsoever, which is crazy. But I think the fat's on the inside of the liver. Well, he just cut it open. Yeah, let's find out here. Because, you know, they say you have a fatty liver. And that doesn't look fatty to me at all. That's just a piece of the liver. Man, all the blood vessels inside that. Look how thick that is. Yeah. And that's... Why is his lung that color? Oh, is he a smoker? Yeah, it might have been. Oh, that thing's almost black, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you see that the color of the lung is changed. Look at that shit over here, man. What are you doing? Um, it's the liver, right? Or is that the lung? This is the, the lung. right lung. Yeah, the right lung. As you see. Oh man, this is the right lung. Yeah. And you see that the change of the color of the. Right and you can see some of the fat particles. These are from the tobacco. Yep. From Smoker. the smoking person and the change of the color of the lung is indicated of a disease so this is usually oh. not normal what is the normal is most likely to be the color like this not like, like a lighter this. pink this usually will be so when you die it, it just it turns pinkish. darker yeah. immediately like this. and this spot of the dark you mostly come from the smoking maybe also from the 
bad weather or the uh, aerosols uh, from the like uh, pollution uh, stuff like that. Oh, pollution. I was like, bad weather. Rain's gonna make your your lungs black. <laughs> like, what the hell? Where's he living? Now we are. Oh boy. The, this is the spleen. Spleen. All right. The, the spleen just looks just like the liver. Yeah. For the most part, you know what I mean. A little smaller, but I mean it's. A routine uh, procedure. Oh, oh boy. There's even fat back there, dude. Look at that. Yeah, it's everywhere, man. But the spleen doesn't have any really much fat on it. I don't know if it can, maybe it doesn't grow on it. You yeah, know what maybe. I mean? Maybe it's possible that the those organs have a different. So we put maybe there's no um, fat cells on those. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm going into this blind, folks. I have no idea. I did not go to medical school. That's your kidney. And as we probably all know, but kidney. Kidney's the same way. It looks the same. Yeah, but the fat is like attached oh. to the 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 the. the from the outside, we see no uh, change or a mass or anything that would indicate from the grossly there is any uh, changes. Right. So it's just absolutely. Oh, it's like bursting out. It's a cyst. Oh, yeah. on his liver? Uh, or on his oh no, it's kidney. Now we are it's kidney. To the important part, which is the heart. Uh, it will be. Uh, remove it. All right. So we'll, we'll, this is the heart right here. This is the heart. So you can see all the blood kind of coming out. Okay. Cutting up the uh, the ventricles and the aorta and all yeah. that. Which I mean, you can see how thick that is. It's crazy. Yeah. It looks like like really dark cherry juice, almost like pomegranate juice. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a jar of it at home. But the viscosity of blood is so unique, dude. It's so hard to replicate. Yeah. When we finish, look at all the fat on that heart. It's ridiculous. That is crazy. All right. All right. Good? Yeah, I'd say we're good. We could probably sit here and go through the rest of it, but uh, I don't want to. So, yeah. So that was the second autopsy video. Definitely done a lot better than the initial one was. A lot more, um, I guess, medically not accurate, just advanced. You can tell yeah. that they had, yeah. They had whatever. better, better safety precautions and stuff like that in place. yeah and either way it's, it's uh it's it's um it's fun it's it's fun like yeah. i i didn't i didn't uh, know what to expect with all that so yeah it's, it's a good time it's a good time yeah i'm okay <laughs> oh boy and if you guys want to watch that you're more than welcome to because uh i'm not ever gonna watch that again no yeah, I'm not doing that ever again. You got to do everything once. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> hey, Logan. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Great. Um, Question. Yeah. Do you like wine? I love wine. Yeah. We're big wine drinkers in my house, as you very well know. Oh, of course. And I like all kinds of different sorts of wine. Same. And if our passengers tend to be the same way, Ooh. guess what? What? We actually have a deal to save them some money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You can actually sign up for the Gold Medal Wine Club wine sale right now. It, uh, you can save up to 51% off award-winning and hard-to-find wines. Three bottle minimum. You can mix and match your favorites with free shipping on 12 bottles or more. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's a good deal. Stock up on your wine. Save some money. Just head on over to the MidnightTrainPodcast.com, click on Sponsor Deals, scroll your little fingers down to the bottom, find that beautiful wine club in there, click on it, and uh, be magically whisked away to the land of wine. Do it. I like wine. And now, boys and girls, 
part of this show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? Alrighty, Roo. So guess what we're doing in the movies today? What's oh, it? is it is it movies with like autopsies in it? Ooh. Uh um no. It's not. Oh. We're actually going to be talking about the movies with the highest on-screen human body count. Ooh. Because, you know, think about all the autopsies they have to do with that. Oh, that's a good idea. Plus it's a pretty cool list, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. This is coming from 247 Walst. Wal- is it Walst or Walst? Whatever. It's a dot com. I have no oh, yeah. idea. So number 10 on our list is We Were Soldiers, uh, directed by Randall Wallace. Ooh. And you don't have this information in front of you, right? Nope, I sure don't. All right, good. So we're going to go through and you're going to guess. So uh, this is uh, Randall Wallace, uh, directed the story of the first major battle between U.S. and communist forces in South Vietnam in 1965, as witnessed by the American Battalion's commander, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore, played by Mel Gibson. It's from 2002. What do you think the body count in this one is? It's a war movie. Keep that in mind. And okay. this is number 10 on our list. Okay. Oh, number 10. Yeah. War movie. Probably say about 450 some odd body count. Okay. Okay. Well, you're going to get a good gauge off this list now. Because okay. it's 305. Oh, okay. 305 okay. on that list. And I don't know if I've seen this, to be honest with you. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. I don't know. Um, number 9 on our list is uh, nineteen uh, from 1992. I don't know why I said that was weird. Anyway... Uh, this is from director John Woo. Love some John Woo movies. Uh, action director John Woo's Hard Boiled, that's what this is called, Hard Ooh. Boiled, is about a tough police officer who teams up with an undercover agent to combat a powerful mobster. All right, so last one was 305. Okay. This is number nine on the list. And it's about a mobster? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't know how that would be any higher, but I'm going to go with, like, keep it close, like 315. Ah, you are very close. 307. Oh, 307. Now, this one, if you know your history, should be easy. <laughs> this is 1997's Titanic. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. So, uh, now, now remember, this is like on-screen body counts. Uh, uh, I was going to say it's like 1,200 deaths for that, wasn't it? Right. So, this is probably like, what, 405, 450? Uh-huh. Well, James Cameron's blockbuster rom-com. They rom-com? <laughs> what? How is that a how is that a comedy? <laughs> the romance I kind of get, but not a comedy. Focuses on the tragic story of a wealth. Have they ever seen this movie? <laughs> like, no. A story of a wealthy young woman who loses the love of her life in one of maritime uh, of maritime world's most tragic uh what? Worst tragedies. It's spelled weird. Anyway. The film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet won 11 Academy Awards. Wow. And what'd you say? What was your body count? 450. 307 tied with the last one. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Only 307 on screen. Yeah. All right. So, uh, oh boy, here we go. Now, uh, number seven on our list is 2007's Grindhouse. Ooh. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen these at all? I don't think they so. They kind of came out as a package. It was... Uh, so there was two movies that came out together, and it was uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Eli Roth, and Quentin Tarantino did the two movies together. So they called it a grindhouse, but it was actually two movies, hmm. and they were completely different movies. Interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Robert Rodriguez, Eli Roth, and Quentin Tarantino co-directed this tribute to exploitation films of the 1960s and 70s. It starts Kurt Russell, Rose McGowan, Danny Trejo, that's Ooh. right, Machete, and Zoe Bell. Um, what are you thinking here? This is number seven on the list. Uh, I mean, Robert Rodriguez, Eli Roth. E- Eli Roth. What the hell is the movie about? Quentin Tarantino. There's two, like I said, there's two separate movies. One's about a car, and the dude goes around, like, killing people in his car. Okay. 
And that one's the Tarantino one, a lot of dialogue. Gotcha. Okay. And the other one is just really fucking weird about this post-apocalyptic world going on and whatnot, where Rose McGowan loses her leg and gets a machine gun put it instead, and she's oh, like shit. shooting like duh, 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 with, yeah, it's that's dope it's, as shit. It's so insane. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's right. entertaining. Yeah. So I've been way over shooting my shot on uh-huh. a lot of these, so I'm gonna keep it simple. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say like three twenty-seven. Three twenty-seven. Ah, it's three ten. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Now, here you go. Here's a good one for you. Number six on our list. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers from 2002. Yeah, that fight scene was pretty gruesome. So, let's see. The second of three Lord of the Ring movies directed by Peter Jackson won two Academy Awards. Elijah Wood, Viggo Morrison, and Ian, or Ian McKellen star. And what is your thought on this? Is number six. 386. What'd you say? 386. 486. Oh, I was so close. Yeah. I knew it was 86. The fact I you think... even got 86. I knew it was 86. I'm I've read into that. Color me impressed, young man. Color me impressed. Yes, that was very good. Very good. So 486 wow. on screen dust for that one. People just dying all over the damn place. Uh, number five from 2003, The Last Samurai. Oh, that's Tom. What, have you seen this? It's with Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Cruise, play, Tom Cruise? <laughs> Tom Cruise plays an American military advisor in 19th century Japan who comes to appreciate the samurai culture after he is captured by the Japanese in battle. The film also stars Ken uh, Watanabe and Watanabe, 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 that sounds better. Yeah, Watanabe. And Billy Connolly. All right, so that's number five. What do you think? The 505. 558. Damn. Yeah. It's a lot. I didn't realize it was that big. It's a lot. Yeah. Number four on our list is 2004's Troy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Homer's epic is reimagined by director Wolfgang Peterson with a big cast that includes Brad Pitt. I love that movie. Eric Bana and Sean Bean. I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest. Dude, I, like I one, of the, one of the best like quotes in that is uh, with Brad Pitt right in the very beginning when he's about to fight uh, something or whatever, and the king's like, you will fight for me, this, that, or the other, and he walks away and he goes, uh, fuck, what did he say? It was like uh, 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 seeing a king fight for something that he believes is something I'll never see in the rest of my life. Something like that along those lines. But basically saying like the king will wants you to fight for him, but will never fight for himself. Right. So fucking stupid, but so funny. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a big number on this one. Okay. 675. 675? Yes. 572. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not doing great. I mean, you're getting close on some of them, but I mean, yeah, I mean, all right. Number three, amazing movie, 2006, 300. Oh, yeah. You have seen this, please? Yes. yes? Okay, yes. good. Uh, this is Zack Snyder's retelling of the saga of the 300 Spartans who held off the mighty Persian army in the 5th century B.C. Gerard Butler, Lena H- Hetty, and Dominic West star in this amazing movie. And it's, this com- is Sparta! It's completely overdone and yeah. ridiculous and not historically accurate at all, but God, is it a good movie. Have you seen Meet the Spartans? No, I don't. I don't never watch. You don't those. watch the parody no, ones. I can't do those, dude. It's so good because like the the Meet the Spartans, they're like they literally are sitting there doing a song, or if they're about to go into fight in the very beginning of the movie, and they're getting their abs spray painted on, <laughs> and you just see this big boy, like a big boy, getting his. They were abs. ripped. Everybody was ripped. Everybody was yeah. ripped. Um, All right. So what do you think? This is three hundred from two thousand and six. What was the last one? Um. What? What was the last one? The, the, account? the account on it. What did I say? Four, uh, 572. 572. So this is number three. 605. Really close. Really? 600. Damn. Yep. There were 600 and 300 from 2006. <laughs> I feel that, that that might be a conspiracy involved in that somehow. Oh. 
Uh, number two on our list is uh, from 2005, Kingdom of Heaven. Ridley Scott's historic action drama with a cast including Orlando Bloom, Eva Green, and Liam Neeson. I will find you, and I will kill you. Takes place in Jerusalem during the Crusades uh, in the 12th century. I have not seen this. I actually this think be a big one. I think I, I kind of. Well, I mean, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Don't blow your wad on this one. Six ten. What'd you say? Six ten. Bam! Hey, I got one. <laughs> Good <laughs> job, right. dude. <laughs> Six hundred and ten. It's the Crusades. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, obviously. A lot more people died. Yes, but on screen, though. (laughs) Yeah, on screen. So it's on screen. Right, right, right. Number one. Okay. boy. All right. This is Lord of the Rings, Return of the Kings. Yeah. Extended edition. Oh, I love it. From 2003. The Lord of the Rings, Return of the Kings, winner of 11 Oscars, enjoys the highest IMDb score of any film on this list and has the highest body count of any movie. In this iteration, Gandalf and Aragorn lead the world of Ben against Sauron's army to draw his attention away from Frodo and Sam as they approach Mount Doom with the One Ring. Yeah, that fight scene was epic, dude. The CGI that took place for that. Before you give me your answer on this one, I just want to say that I'm really surprised that, like, any of the Rambo movies were not in this. The John Wicks. Yeah, but I guess those aren't at such a massive scale. Those like, one dude killing a bunch of people as opposed to, like, Huge battles happening. True. So true. putting that in context, I guess true. it makes sense. All right. So this is the number one in all of film history. Dude, I, I feel like. With the most on-screen deaths. I feel like I'm way under shooting this, but I'm probably wrong. But okay. I want to say about 1,200. Mm, you're way overshooting it. Way overshooting it? Way overshooting it. Dude, when the freaking yeah. elephant falls on a couple hundred people. Oh, man. 836. That was my next guess. 836 on-screen deaths. So those aren't the movies, and that was a fun one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, not that they're all not fun, but that, that was fun. That was it was cool to get into. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all right. So listen, that was your episode for this week, you beautiful passengers. Uh, autopsies. Yeah, if uh, you want to watch the videos, we're going to put it in the show notes. I don't recommend it. I do. But he does, so it's informative. It's good to see what your body looks like on the inside, know what to do, what not to do. And that's if you really want to know what your body looks like on the inside. Hey, man, ignorance is bliss sometimes. Absolutely, and I love being ignorant sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So do us a favor. Make sure to stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet, super sweet merchandise at our store where you can find all kinds of cool shirts. And like we mentioned, the uh, the chill shirt from Kuklinski. Yes. Uh, you can get that shirt. You can get all kinds of cool stuff like um, hats, phone cases, and just, I mean, a lot of stuff. And there's always going to be more and more and more. You can also, while you're at the MidnightTrainPodcast.com, our official website, you can stop over and check out our sponsors. And uh, by the way, working on a couple new ones just so you're all you're all aware of that (laughs) but right now our favorite is dr squatch soap always i've actually been telling people like even online somebody posted something like hey i finally got some of this i'm like dude let me know next time get 20 percent off your first subscription by going to the midnighttrainpodcast.com yeah why not because it's great soap it is it's awesome you can try it out you can get all kinds of different whether you want zero grit or if you want like all the grit i like all the grit i do like all the grit i like all the grit it just makes me feel clean yes it smells amazing i was getting in the shower the other day noticed that my uh my soap was depleted oh and so reached in i have an entire drawer full of dr squatch so i'm looking 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 i'm like no grit no grit 
yeah, grit. So I opened it up. It's the bourbon one. Ooh. And so I was, and my wife was sitting outside where her little um, her makeup station is. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, smell this. She smells it. She's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. And that's all, all you right. need. That's all you need right there. So it makes you smell like a man and feel like a champion. Yeah. Right? And, of course, they use just um, all natural ingredients, the finest stuff out there. It's not cheaply made. It's beautiful soap. And I know it's weird to talk about. But, anyway, get over there. Get 20% off your first subscription. Do it to it right now. There's a code. Put it in there. Do it because it's awesome. It's delicious. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. Also, do us a favor. If you like what you heard from us and you want to help out the show and you want to get us to get do bigger, better things, and you're like, man, you know, five bucks – I can barely get a gallon of gas. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd much rather give it to these guys because they are going to use it, and it's only once a month. Right. Five bucks, man. That's it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like it's a, like a cup of Starbucks coffee. Yeah, once a month. That's a like, month, yeah. It's like a nickel a day, dude. It, is that math? No, it's not okay. Math. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, we would love your support, and for you to support the show, just head to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and click on the Patreon button, or go to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool stuff over there. But what's the main thing you get over there, Logan? Bonuses, baby. Bonuses. Bonuses. All about the bonuses. I'm all about the base. I mean, bonus. Oh. I'm what? all about the bonus, about that bonus, about that bonus. Uh. I'm all about the bonus, about the bonus, not regular. I'm about to. It <laughs> worked for a second. So anyway, do us a favor, support the show, get on over there and be amazing and for us to be forever in your debt. All right? Yeah. And uh, let the, the world know about it, too. And uh, do us a favor. You know, you can go to all our social media. You know, you can like, subscribe everywhere you possibly can. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. All right? Which we're going to be... Hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, Halloween episode that kind of took place. Kind of. Fuck Facebook. I'm saying it. Yeah. I don't care. Go over to Spotify, too, and rate us. Please give us ratings. It really does help move us up the charts and gets us on more charts and people listening to the show. It's a big deal. Also, we love music, okay, and want future generations of musicians to have accessibility and music education. So we've decided to give to a great cause, the Save the Music Foundation. Their mission is to help students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music. As one of the leading music foundations in the United States, they support their partner communities in three ways. By donating musical instruments and musical technology, providing support services for teachers, and advocating for music education. All right, Music was huge in my life. It always was, ever since I can remember singing in the backseat of my car and not wearing a seatbelt because my mother just didn't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was the 70s, 80s, whatever. You know, it's fine. fine. So we donate every month 20% of our merchandise sales and our Patreon donations from you beautiful people um, from each each month. All right? So we donate 20%. So support the show, get a ton of bonuses, and help a great cause. Or, listen, if you want to donate personally, all right, or for more information, just go on over to savethemusic.org. But with us, hey... You get the bonuses and stuff. You get the bonus. And he's still doing a good thing. You know, it's for the children. It's for the children. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, 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 sorry, I said something I probably shouldn't. Anyway. So listen, we cannot thank you guys enough for all of the love and support we've received. It's just awesome. And you guys really do keep this whole train moving. Uh, you know, we're here every week. Mm-hmm. We're doing big things. We're trying to do specials. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to make it more interactive with everybody. And, uh, yeah, so 
you know, and plus we've got a lot of big things popping off. We do. You know, and uh, yeah, and we will, uh, if you're a Patreon uh, first class passenger, you kind of know about one, but I, uh, well, we got a little more to talk about. Just a little bit. A little bit. And, little and bit. we'll make sure that we talk about it when we see you guys next or talk to you next. See oh, us, yeah. talk to you, or you see us, whatever it is. Hey, when we pass shoulders in the, in the market, you know what I mean? When you're packing up some, some liver and mango. so listen first and foremost a very special thank you to our fearless executive producer and you beautiful first class uh, passengers george de jesus megan mcterry thomas love sobota amanda dens chris lucas i really hope that the sobota is pronounced that way because you know i just like saying it yeah thomas love sobota sobota yeah it's awesome uh, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Stacey Laconin, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, <laughs> Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, uh, Sydney Sayer, I'm sorry, Sydney, uh, Gina Madison, um, uh, Janice Sherrill, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, and uh, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton mm. podcast. Hi, ladies. To Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? To Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabinick, and our one and only Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. The better? It's a little better. It's a little better. I'm not mad I'll at work it. on it. All right. So do us a favor. If you want your name to be mentioned on here and on our website where you can actually go and see the other beautiful people who are supporting our show, just become a Patreon producer, a, yeah. a first-class passenger, and have our ever just... You you don't understand. Like, we go to bed at night, and we lay there, and we're like, oh, man, I can't sleep. I'm going to count Patreon. Oh. First-class passengers. And I just sit there, and, they're, and it's just their faces jumping over... Fence. It's for me. It's like the Star Wars thing. The intro. It's just their names just slowly coming across the screen. Oh yeah, like, like a yellow galaxy. font yeah. going up like that. That's yeah. good. I like that one too. Yeah. 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 So you guys, we actually we we dream about you. We do. I'm saying. Yeah. Because you're amazing. Yes. Anyway, stay safe out there, passengers. I hope you had a great Halloween. And as always, choo choo, motherfucker. Now go home and get your fucking shine box.